We'll just let you remain seated tonight, I guess. <laughs> how many are tired? How many are how many are tired tonight? How many are tarred tonight? All right, yeah, that's worse. If you're tired, that's one thing. If you're tarred, that's another. And so, I, yeah, I can sense some of you are tarred. And so, uh, Luke chapter eight tonight, and find your place if you will in verse number one. I want to talk to you about this subject: fellowship and fellowship. Fellowship and fellowship. We're just going to go down through the scripture here tonight, and this would be what I would call sort of expository type uh, teaching tonight. Luke chapter 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And it came to pass afterward that he, talking about Jesus, that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Now notice the next few words. The Bible says, And the twelve were with him. And certain women, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. And so I want to take just a a few minutes tonight. We're going to just camp out those three verses this evening. And I want to talk to you about fellowship and fellowship. And so let's pray together tonight. Father, thank you so much for Wednesday service and thank you for the good spirit that's here tonight. A lot of praises and thanks. God, we thank you for the good missionaries that we are reminded of this evening and we pray for them. And Lord, it encourages them when they know that they have churches back home that haven't forgotten about them. And Lord, they're reminded when we send the support, but Lord, they're encouraged even more so when they know we're praying for them. And God, we pray for them tonight that you'd encourage them and help them. And Lord, we thank you for the good music and the singing and the specials and all those things tonight. And now, Lord, as we take just a few moments before we close the service and go back to our homes tonight, I pray that you would, Lord, give us something this evening that would glorify Christ and that would edify us as his followers this evening. Thank you for good Christian fellowship. And thank you, Father, that we have the privilege of being able to follow the greatest leader that's ever lived, Jesus Christ. And so I pray that you'll bless our time and our discussion tonight. We thank you for your blessings. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, amen. One of the first things that stands out to me about Luke chapter 8 and the verses that we read tonight is that even though Christ is the Son of God and has all power. It's interesting here that we notice that the Lord Jesus Christ has put together a team. He's put together a team. Now, he has a, a group of people, although he could. You know what, church? He don't have to have us. But thank God he wants to have us. And, uh, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, just in case you ever get to the place where you, where you start feeling too high and mighty, Somebody said, you know, just stick your hand in a bucket of water and then draw it out and see what kind of hole it leaves. And so, you know, God, God's able to do it without us, but God wants to use us. And thank the Lord that he wants to use us. And we, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ had all power and he could have ministered without us. But thank the Lord we noticed that here in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to talk about that team tonight that he's put together. But we noticed that he's put together a team of followers And someone wisely said, teamwork makes the dream work. And that's so true. It really does. I love the idea 
of synergy. And I know that's a relatively new term, but synergy, synergy, not energy, but synergy. Uh, and synergy defined is this, the combined power of a group of things when they're working together that is greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. And in other words, in small terms, what that means is this, is we have more pulling power when pulling together than if we pull separately. And you know what? You know what that means, church? That means that if we would all get in the yoke with Jesus and we just all decide that we're going to work together, you know what? It would astound us what God could do in Union Grove, North Carolina. By the way, it's exactly why churches are in a decline nowadays. Uh, they tell us that approximately 80% of all churches in North America have either reached a plateau or are declining. And the reason is because of this. They tell us that in the average church, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And now I don't know how, how close to, to being true that is, but I do know this. It's pretty accurate. Uh, in the average church tonight, about 10% of the people do just about all of the work. Now, thank God for everybody that comes in here and sits in a seat and is faithful to a service, and, and, and I mean that. Thank God for, for everybody that, that, that attends Calvary Baptist Church. But boy, what would we do if we didn't have people who were willing to come in here and serve and work and teach and preach and sing and practice and clean and, uh, and run a bus route or serving in a nursing home or, or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and so may I just challenge us tonight by saying this, Calvary Baptist Church, let's make sure that we have synergy at Calvary Baptist Church, synergy in the ministry, synergy in the jail ministry, synergy in the, the bus ministry, synergy uh, in the nursing home, synergy in the, in the choir and the music and the Sunday school. Uh, what do you mean, preacher? I'm talking about pulling together, pulling together. And thank God that there are some people who believe in synergy when it comes to financial giving. And because of that, we're going to be able to send 1,000 Bibles to the country of Papua New Guinea. But, 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 but while I'm saying that, may I just say this? You know what? I wonder what would happen, though, if everybody decided to give. Because the truth of the matter is that that's a great number. We thank God for that. But you know what? There's still a lot of people that aren't giving at Calvary Baptist Church. Now you say, preacher, you shouldn't look, and I don't. I don't look. I don't know who's giving, who's not giving. Uh, thank God our financial secretaries take care of all that. But, uh, but I just know by talking to them, and they'll say, you know, preacher, that was a good offering, but if everybody would give, there's no telling what would happen at Calvary Baptist Church. I wonder what would happen if everybody got involved in synergy when it came to prayer, and we started praying for the services and asking God to bless in a, in a great, great way. And so let me just encourage us, man, let's just all get involved in the work of the church. Now, there's several things we notice here tonight uh, in, this, uh, in this passage that I want you to see this evening. First of all, we notice that Christ has a following. Now, look, if you will, Luke chapter 8 and verse number 1, and I want us to pay attention to this following tonight. I think it's interesting, and I think it will help us tonight. Luke chapter 8, verse 1, the Bible says, And it came to pass after that he went throughout every city and village, preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. Then the Bible says, And the twelve were with him, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, 
and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. Now, we notice here that there is an interesting group of very diverse followers. Now, just so you could maybe remember these a little easier, they all start with the letter P, all right? So several people that I notice here that are involved in his team. Number one is Piscators. Now, everybody knows what a Piscator is, don't you? Y'all don't know what a Piscator is? Uh, you listen, you've got a college graduate talking to you tonight, amen? No, I didn't know what it was either, amen? And uh, a Piscator is a fisherman. That's what a Piscator is. And so aren't you glad you came here on a Wednesday night to learn that? Some of you are Piscators and you didn't even know it. And... Uh, uh, Piscator. Uh, and so uh, we notice here the Lord and his team had fishermen. Now, now wait a minute now, church. You say, preacher, why in the world would you even bring that out? Because it's important. Now, you know what that tells me? That tells me that in the Lord's team, he had some very simple people. That tells me that the Lord Jesus had some everyday blue-collar workers. These were guys that were sort of rough around the edges, in fact, if you go and you, and you study a little bit about the fishermen, you'll find out that often they were either fishing or they were mending their nets. And all day long, they spent time uh, working and cleaning their nets and mending their nets. They were, in other words, they were laborers. They were hard workers. These were the kind of guys that had calluses on their hand. These were the kind of guys that had blisters. And, and these were the kind of guys that knew what it was to fish when the weather was good and fish when the weather was bad because they had a living to make. And so we notice here that he had piscators in his team. But then, how about this? We notice that he had publicans in his team. Publicans. Now, you know what a publican is. That's a tax collector. Matthew or Levi was a, was a, a publican. Now, you say, preacher, is that important? Pretty important. Because publicans back in that day were viewed as traitors. They were traitors. You see, they were Jewish men that collected taxes for Rome. And Jews hated Rome. Listen to this. Did you know that the tax collector's money was viewed as so dirty that when he came by your home to collect the tax, that if a Jew needed to make change, they felt like his money was so dirty they wouldn't even ask for change. His money was so dirty that he was not allowed to tithe in the temple. Now, that's how, that's how a publican was looked at. I mean, just he was looked at as the scum. In fact, if you study your Bible, you'll find out that publicans and prostitutes were usually named together. That's how they looked at publicans. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ in his team has, he, has these rough fishermen, calluses on their hand. They're not very, you know, their speech is not, doesn't sound like they've got a college education. It's just sort of rough around the edges. And then on top of that, he's got a publican in his team. But then we notice next, we notice that he has proprietors in his team. He's got business owners in his team. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 5 and verse number 10, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, uh, Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And so he had men on his team who were not just fishermen, but they owned fishing companies. And they employed other men as workers and employees under them. And so, now, now again, I, just, I thought this was interesting. So the Lord's got these rough fishermen 
He's got tax collectors, IRS, the IRS working for him. And uh, boy, the Lord must have really been hard up back then. And uh, no, but he's got publicans. And then he's got, he's got business owners that are working for him. Well, then, if you don't think that's a crowd, are y'all ready for this next one? He's got politicians working with him. You say, where in the world, preacher, do you find that? Well, the Bible tells us in Luke 6, 15, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called Zelotes or Zealots. Did you know that Simon was a... Simon was a zealot. He was considered a partisan for Israel's rebellion against Rome. He would have been, in that day and time, he would have been what is known as a politician or a protester. That's, that's, that's what he was. I mean, he hated Rome, and he would have been the kind of guy that went down and held signs up, you know, and, uh, and was, was protesting against Rome. And so here the Lord has got all these different people working in his team. He's got piscators. He's got publicans. He's got proprietors. He's got politicians. And then how about this? He's got the problematic. The problematic. What do you mean? Well, look, if you will, Luke chapter 8, verse 3. The Bible says among this team, the Bible says in verse 3, and Joanna. Now, who is Joanna? Well, the Bible says she's the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward. Wow. Now, that's interesting. Because Herod is a man who's a wicked king who hates Christ. In fact, he'll do almost anything in his power to try to put Jesus out of business. And yet here's a, here's a lady that's married to a husband that's steward to a king that hates the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know, here, here's the thing. As I was reading this, this seemed to be what the Lord was saying to me. Here's the thing about this. Did you know that Jesus allowed every one of them to come and join his team? And, and I guarantee you that every one of these, Joanna, Matthew, who was a publican, uh, uh, all these different people, all of them felt loved and felt like they were important. Now, church, I just said that to say this. Did you know regardless of your background or regardless of your history, it is a wise person who follows Jesus Christ? Yeah. <laughs> And so somebody says, boy, preacher, I don't have a very good past. That's okay. Come on, join the team. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And uh, you say, but preacher, you don't know the lifestyle that I used to have. Well, how's your lifestyle now? If you've been saved and you're trying to serve the Lord, come on and join the team. Amen. And, uh, but you say, pastor, you don't know the baggage that I've got. You don't know the skeletons I've got in the closet. Well, thank God he's the God of the second chance. And thank God he's the God of forgiveness. And, and, and listen, if you think for a half a second that that's an accident that God put that in there. I don't think so at all. Uh, here is this team that is, that is traveling with Christ and ministering with Christ. And man, it is, it is one diverse team. And so be sure that you follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that, that all of us follow something? Some people follow money. Uh, some people follow pleasure, just constantly living for pleasure. Some people uh, follow popularity. And then I, I wrote this down. Some people follow self. But you know, did you know following self can get you in a lot of trouble? Following self can get you in a lot of trouble. The other night we, uh, flew, from, uh, we flew from Burbank, California into to, uh, Chicago. And a lot of times when we made that, that uh, 
a trip across the U.S., it's clear. It's often clear, especially the further west you get. Some of you folks know you traveled out there. And the further west you get, the less clouds there are. And it doesn't matter how high you are on the plane, you can usually see the ground. Uh, but I noticed a lot, of, a lot of this trip, it was real cloudy. And especially coming back, and when we, when we landed in Chicago, we couldn't even see Chicago until we just about were on the runway. And it was a little rainy and, and foggy, and it was cold. And, and, uh, and I noticed that once we took off from Chicago uh, coming to Charlotte, uh, you know, a lot of times once you finally get up so far, you can begin to see, begins to clear. But I noticed a lot of times when I looked out my window, it was cloudy. And it was like a lot of the time we were flying through a haze. Now, the reason I said that is this. I was so thankful that our pilot was not following self. Because they tell me that as a pilot, if you get into a haze like that and a cloud bank like that, that it's real easy to get disoriented. And you think you're going up and you're actually going down. Or you think you're going down, you're actually going up. In fact, I've had some pilots, I've heard some pilots that have told that if you're not careful, you'll get turned all the way upside down, not even know it. And as I looked out the window, it was a little uneasy, and I thought, boy, I, I hope he's watching his instruments. I hope he's uh, paying attention to those instruments up there. And sure enough, he was. And we landed safely in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I said that say this. You know what, church? Be careful about following yourself. Because when you begin to follow self and you think, I know I'm going in the right direction. Listen, brother, you know what you better do? You better pay attention to your instruments. Amen. You better make sure that you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and get in your Bible and make sure that, uh, listen, how many know this? That if you follow this compass, you'll always be heading in the right direction. And sometimes our GPS that we have on our phone or our, our car, sometimes our GPS will get us uh, you know, as, as good as they are, sometimes they'll get us lost. But I'm thankful that this GPS never gets you lost. It always keeps you in the right way. And so we notice something here. We notice that, uh, uh, that this, this, this following that the Lord Jesus Christ had. But I want you to notice among this following here, number two, we notice within this following was the fallen. Now again, look back at our verses, and especially verse number two. The Bible says, among these folks that were following the Lord, verse 2, and certain women which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. Now, that's interesting. You know what? I'm, I, the Bible doesn't tell us a whole lot about Mary Magdalene, but I'm just guessing that Mary Magdalene was a very wicked woman before she was saved. Now, you say, preacher, why do you think that? Well, isn't it ironic that in the same exact chapter, chapter number 8, the Bible gives another story. It's called the demoniac of Gadara. It's the same chapter where the Lord goes to Gadara and he finds the man that's filled with the legion of demons and he's cutting himself and he's living in the tombs and he's wearing no clothes. He's a lunatic. And yet the Bible tells us about Mary Magdalene that Mary Magdalene was was, was not only demon-possessed, but notice verse number two. The, verse number two, the last part of the verse, Mary Magdalene, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom went seven devils. How many know the Bible never, never records anything by accident? Did you know that seven is the number of completion? And it's believed when the Bible says out of whom went seven devils, it's believed that Mary was completely under the control 
of darkness. And so that tells me that probably, the Bible doesn't tell us, but probably Mary Magdalene was a very wicked, wicked woman. Some have suggested that Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. But here's the important thing. Yet, Jesus let her join his team. Now, I think there's an important lesson we can learn here, Calvary, and that's this. The church is not supposed to be a museum, but rather a spiritual hospital. Did you know that? Did you know that Mary Magdalene would have not have been allowed to come to some churches today? They would, have, they would have shook her hand, wouldn't have welcomed her in. Am I telling the truth tonight? I am telling the truth. I mean, a lot of people, if they would have known her past, and know where she came from, they would have went to her and said, you know what, you know, uh, God bless your sister, but uh, you know, you're probably really not going to fit in here uh, in this crowd. But yet the Lord Jesus Christ, well, this is good tonight. The Lord Jesus Christ allowed Mary Magdalene to come and to serve, not only to, to follow with him, but to serve with him. And so the church is a spiritual hospital. Think about this. It's a place where the sick can come and receive help. Did you know that every single week at Calvary Baptist Church, we perform multiple heart surgeries? That's what we're doing every Sunday morning. That's why we take it so important. That's why it's not, that, that's why it's a big deal to us. That's why Sunday night's a big deal. That's why every service is a big deal because this is not just something we do. Brother, every single service, we're here to conduct heart surgery. Our Sunday school classes are examination rooms. Our Sunday school buses are spiritual ambulances. Our preachers who preach in the ministry here are spiritual specialists. Our teachers are spiritual pharmacists who every single week are departing truth and spiritual medication to those who come to see them. Our deacons are spiritual administrative assistants. Our Bible is the scalpel. In fact, Hebrews tells us that it's sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to soul and spirit. Uh, listen, our, our Bible is the scalpel. Uh, the, the gospel is the medication for a sick soul. And thank God, how many know this, that we all serve the great physician. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now that's all I'm saying. You know what? In this group, this team that the Lord Jesus Christ had, the fallen was there. The fallen were there. In fact, listen to what Christ said in Luke chapter 5, verse number 32. They that are whole need not a physician. But they that are what? Sick, Brother Mike, that's right. But they that are sick. And then our Savior, our Savior said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now listen, church, let me just help us tonight. Did you know if we ever cease to help sick people at Calvary Baptist Church, we've lost what we're all about? Now, do I think, I think that ladies ought to dress modestly? I think the Bible teaches that. I think that ladies ought to dress in a Christ-like way, and you ought to, I think that your dress ought to, uh, uh, ought to be, uh, let your light shine for the Lord Jesus Christ. I think fellas ought to make sure that your appearance is right, and, and you ought to look neat and tidy and Christ-like, and I think that our talk uh, ought to be Christ-like. I think our lifestyle ought to be Christ-like. But wait a minute now. But wait a minute now. What's going to happen if some guy walks in and he's all tattooed up from here to there uh, and pierced and, uh, and, and uh, come from a, a rough background? Uh, you say, preacher, should we welcome him in? Absolutely we should. 
Yes, sir. He's just as welcome here as the pastor's welcome here. Why? Because we are a spiritual, this is not a museum. This is not the, the Union Grove Country Club. Uh, this is a spiritual hospital, and our job and our commission is to get out here and beat the bushes and knock on doors and preach the gospel and do our best to reach every sick person we can with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's good preaching, even if I say so myself. Amen. Think about it. It would be like, and some of our folks are really battling sickness right now. It'd be like you're getting congested and, I mean, your, te- your chest gets all tight and you can't hardly breathe and you're coughing and your nose is running. And you say, well, honey, I got to do something. I, I, just can't, I can't stand it anymore. I'm going to the hospital. And you go down here to our Memorial Hospital and you walk into the emergency room and they say, can we help you? Oh, man, i got to have some help. And they say, sir, you're not welcome here. You're sick. <laughs> now, when you get to feeling better, you come back. <laughs> and you say, what? That don't even make sense. makes about as much sense as a lot of churches in America today. When sick people walk in every single Sunday and there's a group there to meet them, say, you're not welcome here. Well, I'll tell you this. They're welcome at this church. Because we are a spiritual hospital that's here to help people. I love this story. I found this story the other day. Fanny Crosby, Fanny Crosby, who was the blind songwriter that has many of the, the songs in our hymn book, Fanny Crosby wrote those songs. And they said about Fanny Crosby that she loved sharing the gospel with anyone who would listen. In 1869, she penned the words to rescue the perishing. And when asked about the song, she explained, it was written following a personal experience at the New York City Bowery Mission she went on to explain that she would go, uh, go one night a week to talk to what she called her boys. She said one night while speaking to them, she kept having the thought that there was a boy present who had wandered away from his mother and must be rescued that night or he, he would be eternally lost. She made a plea to each boy that, that was there that night and at the end of the service, one of the young men came forward and said, did you mean me, Miss Crosby? I promised my mother to meet her in heaven. But as I'm now living, that'll never be possible. She prayed with him and led him to Christ. And as they finished, he said, Now I'm ready to meet my mother in heaven, for I have found God. And Fanny Crosby went home, and she wrote these words, Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, snatch them in pity from sin in the grave, weep o'er the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save, rescue the pair. I'm having a good time tonight. I'm feeling better and better about this message all the time. Rescue the perishing, care for the dying. Jesus is merciful. Jesus will save. And I want to just stop for a minute and say time out and say hallelujah. Thank God that I go to a church like this. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I'm so glad to be here tonight. I don't know what to do. We noticed the following. We noticed within the following was the fallen. Let me give you this last point. We're going to the house. Number three, we noticed the fallen were transformed into followers. Now, that's an important point. The fallen are not fallen anymore. The word has changed. They're no longer fallen, but now they've been transformed into followers. They have been healed. They have been cleansed. They have been restored. Now get this now because it's so important. They have repented 
And that's why God is able to use them. I'm talking about the Lord Jesus. Don't expect, now this is so important we're done. Listen to this. Don't expect to have fellowship with Jesus when you are trying to enjoy your fallen condition. It's not going to happen. And this is where we are today. People act like they want to be used of God, but they want to hang on to their fallen condition. Here's something you need to understand about these people right here. Fallen people, but there's something that's taken place. They have repented from that. They've been healed from that. And now they're going on to be followers. They're no longer fallen people. Someone said it like this. Many people today use mighty thin thread when mending their ways. It's true. Patrick Morley in his book, I Surrender, said this. This is the, this is the, the church's integrity problem, that we can add Christ to our lives but not subtract sin. It is a change in belief without a change in behavior. And I'm just telling you, church, it ain't going to happen. James chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. But the, but the verse doesn't end there. Then it says, Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And so here, here's the great part of the message. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you come from, Regardless of what your past is, God is willing to bring you on his team. <laughs> but before you do that, there's got to be some changes. I was reading an interesting story about a place called Wabush. Wabush, Wabush. It's in Canada. It's a little, little tiny town in Canada. And for many, many years, there was no way to get to Wabush except hiking there. It's a little town, you know, but honestly, there was no way to get there. No roads, just trails, and people would have to hike there. And they said that finally, because the population grew, that Canada, the country of Canada, they carved out a road to Walbush, one little road, a little, little dirt road. And it had one road going in, one road coming out. And they said that, that uh, it took about six to eight hours to travel that little dirt road to get to Walbush, Canada. But they said this, if you ever made the trip, the six to eight hour trip down that dirt road, and you decided that you wanted to leave, the only way you're going to leave is by turning around and going back the exact same way you came. A lot of people want Jesus to use them but they aren't willing to turn around. And if we're ever going to be used, boy, this, oh, the Lord's, Lord's ministering to me tonight, amen. If we're ever going to be used of God, you know what we're going to have to be willing to say, Lord, show me what you want me to do. I'll be willing to, I'll be willing to turn. I'll be willing to change. I'll, I'll change my talk. I'll change my dress. I'll change my actions. I'll, I'll change my lifestyle. But, Lord, I don't want to be fallen. I want to be a follower. Amen. Wow. I got blessed tonight. Amen. Father, thank you so much for this time we've had together tonight. And God, I thank you for this simple message. Lord, I've got a feeling probably there's somebody here tonight. And Lord, in their past life, they qualify. Lord, like a Mary Magdalene. Lord, like a Matthew who was a publican. 
or like a Peter who was a pescator or a fisherman rough around the edges. But God, you were, you were willing to use these folk. God, tonight I pray that you'd help us, everyone at Calvary Baptist Church, help us to make a decision that we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there is anything in our life that you want us to get rid of, that you want us to change, that you want us to turn from, well, God, help us tonight to say, Lord, I'm willing to do that. I pray, Father, that, Lord, maybe tonight you've challenged somebody's heart about getting involved in the work of the Lord and that, that thing of synergy. Lord, not just coming and being a, a spectator, but a participator. Lord, they're going to get in here and get involved in the work of the Lord. I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. And God, I pray that you'll, you'll speak to hearts. And uh, Lord, it could be tonight somebody needs to just slip down to this altar tonight and kneel and just say, Lord, you dealt with my heart about something tonight. And tonight I'm going to, I, I, I want to act on that. And so Lord, have your way now, please. And we thank you for being with us to bring us into your team. Teamwork makes the dream work. God, we thank you for that. I pray you'll help us tonight. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And if God spoke to your heart tonight, if there's a need on your heart, if you need prayer this evening, then you come tonight while we wait. The altar's open while the pianist plays. You come tonight and do business with the Lord. While we wait, while we wait, you come.